All right. So Sunday, May 28th, we're going to finish lesson uh, four of Colossians today. So um, you should have page one and two on Colossians. So let's just go uh, kind of review this thing real quickly and we'll get down to where we stopped last week. And so uh, there's a few blanks that I'll give you the blanks for, but let's just kind of go through this. So we've already seen the introductory prayer for the Colossians, and that's what we're looking at, chapter 1, 9 through 14. In fact, let's read that. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power and to all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness. So I'm going to stop right there for just a minute because once Paul finds out that there is a church in the city of Colossae and he finds that out from a man named Epaphras which is in jail with him at Rome, he begins to pray for them as a whole because he just adds them in his prayer time, and he starts praying for the Colossians, and he says basically in verse 9, since the day we heard of you, we cease not to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge, where am I at? Of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, and that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And as I said before, that is an excellent prayer. I'm praying for this person to increase in the knowledge of God, and I'm praying that you walk that out in your life. I like things short and simple, and that's, that's a fantastic prayer. For us, it's a fantastic prayer for us to pray for other people and specifically new believers because you want them to grow in God's Word and you want them to live it out. Okay, that's very simple. Okay, and so that's the prayer that he's saying. And then he gives them, uh, this prayer goes on and he says, uh, it's, Let's start in verse 11 again, I'm sorry. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power and to all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And then if I had to decide where that prayer stops... It's right here at the end of verse 12 with this colon because now it's kind of like his prayer just goes into who Christ is. And so I don't know about you. Have you guys ever prayed before and your prayer just gets totally off base from where you started? That's me. Have you ever been praying for something before and it just explodes on you? You go, well, I'm just going to pray for a few minutes and next thing you know, it's 20 minutes or it's 30 minutes. Or maybe you've prayed before and in the middle of your praying, you fall asleep. I used to, it used to bother me when I'd fall asleep and I'm like, how can I fall asleep on God? And then it's like, but that's the best place to fall asleep, right? And so, uh, the prayer here that Paul has for them just kind of goes into a message. And, and basically it goes into a message right off the bat talking about who is Christ. Not only what has He done for us, but who is He? 
And so we're going to see this probably one of the best definitions of who Christ is and what He's done for us in the whole Bible, right here in Colossians, starting in verse 13 of chapter 1. So let's read 13 down through 18. We'll back up. It says, Who Christ hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us. And remember I said there's another word we could put there for translated. He has transferred us. So your first blank says, uh, under the second bullet point, says he has blank, he has transferred us unto the kingdom of Christ. And again, if you've ever been in a job and they transferred you to a di- different department or whatever, you can understand what that word transferred means. So Christ has delivered us from the power of darkness, from a sinful life, a sinful nature, having a dead soul, first bullet point, and He has transferred us into the kingdom of, of Christ, to a sinless life, to a sinless nature, a glorified body with a live soul. That's quite a transfer. From a person who was dead to now you're a person that's alive. Okay? And so he's, he's delivered us, he's transferred us, and it also says here that, uh, in verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So he's redeemed us through the blood. You have a question? Yeah, just bring it to me. Thank you. I'll make sure we get that mailed to her or get given to her. So he's redeemed us through his blood. Now we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And so, um, and he's not, and he redeemed it. He paid for our sins. He redeemed us. Because that's what redeemed means. Um, And not only that, he's forgiven us our sins. He had to pay for our sins before He could forgive them. Okay, So, uh, the next thing on our list is the fullness of Christ in creation. So that's really how, what we're going to sum up here. The fullness of Christ in creation. Number one, who is Christ according to people in the Bible? So, last time we was here, we went through the Bible and we looked at what John the Baptist said. And we looked at what Peter said. And we looked at what Martha said, Martha and Mary. We see that in John. We looked at what Paul said. And then we looked at what Jesus said. And basically what we're going to look at today is what does the Scripture say? Of course, we find all of those in Scripture. But I'm like, we're painting a picture here who Christ is. And so uh, they all say that He's the Son of God. You know, when I was first saved, I was ten. And I remember the church giving me a little black Bible. I came home, I remember coming home from school. I remember opening that up and I remember reading the book of John. And I'm reading the book of John and it, and it hit me. Wow, Jesus is not just the Son of God. He is God. Mm-hmm. Now where'd I get that from? I just pulled that out of my IQ. I'm not that smart. The Holy Spirit showed me that. And I'm like, who is God. Who is Jesus? He is God. He's not just, He's not just the Son of God. He is God Himself. And so we're going to look at that as we keep moving. So number two there in your handout says, Who is Christ according to Scripture? Scripture goes in your handout. Carrie and I watched a movie this week. 
and I believe it was on Roku or something. And and every night we try. We don't watch normal TV or what I call regular TV. We just watch old things because there's nothing good on. So we're going through and we watch this. Uh, it was this. It was a movie called Mr. Fudge and Hell. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. And it was a story about this man, and his last name was Fudge. And his dad was a pastor, and he went to seminary, and he got out of, or he's in seminary, and he wants to preach on that hell is not a final destination, and that it doesn't last forever and ever. So he tried to search all through it. It bothered him because he had a friend of his that hadn't received Christ, and he died in a car accident. And he could not wrap it around in his mind. He did not believe that, well, I can't believe my God would send my friend to hell forever and ever and ever and ever. It made more sense to him just to go to hell and then burn up and be done. But he couldn't believe that God would do it forever and ever and ever. So he's in seminary and he's, that's his question that he's looking for. He's looking for the answer for that. And then there's another man and they kind of have a confrontation in the, in the seminary about this and that. And, and it's very vague. And I'm trying to figure out what kind of church this is. And and I kind of got it in my head that it's a church of Christ. Church of Christ believes in baptismal regeneration. You have to be baptized to be saved. And so it's very vague through the whole thing, but he doesn't believe that hell lasts forever and ever and ever. And he makes this statement. He goes, you know, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to see what the Scripture says, and what the Scripture says is what I'm going to believe. But I'm going to study this out. And you know what he does? He goes to to the seminary library, and he looks in the Old Testament. He looks in at books that was written between the Old Testament and the New Testament which is the Maccabean-like books. He goes back to the Greek and looks at that. And then he comes up with inclusion. I found an answer because I found this man back at 300 AD that says that that eternity, that hell was forever and ever put in the Bible and it was only put in in 300. And I'm like, everything you said, you did wrong. Because you should have went back to what the Bible says. You said you were going to do that, but you didn't do that. So he came up with the conclusion that hell is not forever and ever and eternity and eternity based on what somebody said about the Bible in 300 AD. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, the guy was right. Hell does not last for eternity. Don't fry me yet. Because hell gets thrown in the lake of fire. The lake of fire lasts forever and ever and ever. I'd like to have been there to talk to this guy. The guy passed away in, in uh, just lately, right? I thought it was 73. Oh, in 70. I don't remember. He was 73 when he died, and he just died within the last couple of years. And I'm like, number one, he should have stuck with the Bible. But number two, he had a bad start with it. And the reason I throw that all out there was, People say they use the Bible for their final authority, but then they go off something else. Stay with the book. Okay? Because that's the only thing that's true. 
Okay, so the fullness of Christ according to people in the Bible, but also let's look at according to Scripture. Uh, Christ is the image of God, and we looked at this uh, last week, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 4, John 14, and Romans 1, 20. So Christ is the, you have a blank in your handout, right? Christ is the visible form of the invisible God. Now, I stuck invisible God in there, but, so Christ is the visible form of God. He is, it, Christ is the Godhead, and maybe you've never thought of this. God, when, when Christ was, was here on earth, He was the Godhead manifest in flesh. Okay? Like I said, He's more than just the Son of God. He is God. Okay? So Christ is the visible form of God. That, I know I'm getting kind of deep here and, and like, so you got, you got, God is in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and yet they're all together and they're all, I don't know how that works. My brain doesn't work that well. Once we get to heaven, it'll about, oh, that makes perfect sense. But my Bible tells me, and guess what I'm gonna do? Stay with what the Bible says. It says God in three persons. God the Son, God the Father, God the uh, Holy Spirit. All three are one. So when Christ was here in the flesh, it's the visible form of God. Okay. That's who Christ is. Because a lot of people want to downplay who Christ is. And this whole thing builds up who Christ is. It shows the reality of who He is. So, B says, Christ is the firstborn of every creature. So, there's a blank at the end of that page. Is that filled in in everybody that was here last week? I wanted to see how far I went. It's not filled in. Okay, so Christ is the firstborn of every creature. We'll see that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He is the firstborn in a series of new creatures. He is the firstborn from the dead. We see that in verse 18. He is the first begotten of the dead. And Revelation 1.5. And so he is the first man to die and come back to life never to die again. So die again goes in your two blanks at the end of that page. Page 1. So there have been other people in the Bible that have died, but they have went on to die. Can you guys name me a few of them? Lazarus. Lazarus. Okay. You had, he died, but God, Christ brought him back alive out of that tomb, but he died again. Correct. Uh, uh, Jairus, his daughter, Christ rose her when she was dead, but she later went on to die. So there's been several people in the Bible, probably a lot longer list than what I've listed here, and they've all died, but they've all died, came back to life, but they all died again. Correct? But Jesus is the first one, the first man to die, come back to life, to never die again. Okay? So again, we're, we're talking about who Christ is. On page number two of that handout, it says Christ is the creator of all things. So what things, what things is Christ the creator of? I'm going to just ask you guys. I got a smart class, so I'm asking you guys. What? All what things? All things. Okay, let's be specific. What did what did Christ create? John one three. All things were made by Him. You just can't get off that, can you? 
Okay, the earth. <laughs> okay. Uh, I can't reprimand you, can I? It's like, okay, that's not the answer I was wanting, but, but you're going where I am. You're being, you're being kind of honored today. Okay, so Christ is the creator of all things. So what things? Earth. Uh, people. How about heaven? How about angels? Satan. How about how about um, how about evil? He is. He is all things. All things. It's hard for us to realize that, but he he nobody has made Satan has never created anything. Mankind has never created anything. I know when you say, well, this is so-and-so's creation. No. They made it. God has created all things. Even even evil. Even sin. Man did not create anything. Okay, And I know that's kind of hard to, to get it in our head. How about uh, powers? Dominions, principalities. Okay, we're going back to you, uh, Rex. All things were created by by who? But more specifically than God, who? By Christ. Yes, Carrie. Okay, that He creates evil. Isaiah forty-five-seven. So, all things, again, all things are created by God, but, but the point I'm trying to get is Christ was there. Okay? Because you got God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and yet in Isaiah it talks about the baby Jesus being born, his name would be Emmanuel, and it also calls him Father. Okay, what do you do with that? So, he is God. Yeah, really. Because if he had... He gave, he created man with, with a, let him a choice, you know, what to choose. But if he didn't create evil, they wouldn't have had a choice to, to, to choose evil. God didn't want him to, but. That's right. So Christ has created all things, okay? Because how do I get that? Well, let's look at verse 16 of Colossians. It says, for by him, who's the him in that verse? Christ, it's Jesus. For by Christ were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. So the for Him goes in your blank. So under C it says, Christ is the creator of all things, Everything was created by Him and for Him. Now John 1.3 and, and, and John 10. So I'm going to... In fact, let's uh, hold on to Colossians. Let's go back and look at John chapter 1, verse 3. A lot of these verses that we have will go for every one of these points. And so you see John 1.3 here. It says, all things were made... Well, let's start in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, 
And who's the Word there? Jesus. Okay, Christ. In the beginning was was Christ and... Okay, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. So you got Christ there. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. Okay, and let me go a little farther. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Okay, and so uh, I just threw that in. And verse 14 tells who He is. Okay, read 14 for us. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Perfect. So it goes right back to where we're at. Okay. So Christ, so Paul's trying to paint a picture to these Colossians who Christ is. And if they have their, if they have the thinking, well, Jesus is the Son of God and that's as far as they can go, he's trying to give them some more. He's trying to realize he's, he's not just the Son of God. He is God. He is God in the flesh. All things, He is the creator of all things. Uh, D in your handout says, Christ is before all things. Christ is before all things. So what does that really mean? Well, it says, you know, I'm not always worried about what it means. What does it say? He is before all things. He was here before anything happened, okay? He was here before He created anything. John seventeen five. Let's go back and look at that. In John chapter seventeen, we have a prayer the night before Christ went to uh, went to Calvary, and he's praying to the Father. John chapter seventeen, verse five says, "And now, O Father, glorify thou me." Jesus is talking here with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before what? The world was. And so, the night before Jesus was crucified, he's praying, he says, he's talking to, to his Father in heaven, he says, glorify thou me with the glory that I had before the world was. And so again, showing us who he is. Okay? So Christ is before all things. Uh, e says, by Christ all things consist. Now I've just, over the years, I've loved this. By Christ, verse 17 says, and He, Christ, is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Now what does that mean, consist? What's that? Exist. But not just exist, it goes farther than that. Continues. He keeps everything going. He keeps the planet going. I mean, the, the, the planet Earth is spinning. He's keeping that spinning. He's, he's keeping our air. He's keeping every, you know, and the globalists and all these people with the climate change. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna lose our oxygen. We're gonna lose this. We're gonna lose that. Like mankind is keeping it. Mankind can't keep their, can't keep anything. They can't even hold on to their keys, let alone keep the world going. Whenever you hear people talking like that, the way they do about the, the, the global warming and all this stuff, I just say, well, if you read your Bible, you know exactly what was happening and when and why. And these people do not 
read God's word, they do not understand. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried because I don't care. Mm -hmm. I know where I'm going, and I know I'll be with God. Right. So when you're saved, you're just you're just you don't think like the rest of the world. The rest of the rest of the world. The world is trying to scare us to death. Right, and they're living for the now because they they do live in fear, and we don't. But the average person, the government, and all this stuff keeps them in a fear to keep control of them. And the Christian, they can't control because we know the book, we know where we're going, we know what the book says. Okay, But by Christ, all things consist. We don't worry about global warming. We don't worry about uh, whatever baloney they're selling us today. You know, when I was... I'm. Um, all of us in here think we're, you know, we're teenagers, even though our bodies tell us otherwise. And we've all getting a little long on the tooth. You know, I used to remember at work, I was the young guy. Now I'm the grandpa guy. But I remember in school that when I was going through science and in school back in probably the, the late 60s and early 70s, we were all going to the, come to another ice age. They were pushing that. Well, they pushed that as far as they could go. And then the next thing, it's like, oh, we're going to all burn up because we're getting warmer and warmer and warmer. Uh, ever since ever since we started taking temperatures, uh, we're going higher and higher and higher. And we're like, well, when did you start taking temperatures? In 1960. <laughs> well, what about the Great Depression when all that heat wave went through in 34, 35, 36, 37? Well, you remember when they first started that, climate change, it was called global warming. Oh, yes. But that didn't work out because they got cold too and so they changed it to climate. You see, here's what we got to realize. Christ created the world and the earth and everything that's in it and He's going to keep it going for His purpose because He made the rules. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, they are. And that's sad because they don't have to. They don't have to. Okay. So, F, Christ is the head of the church. He is the, you have a blank there of the body. He's the head. He is the head of the body. Verse 18 says, And He, Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. We've seen that. That in all things He might have the preeminence. So Christ is the head of the church. Now, you're like, okay, he is the head of the body. So just what does that mean? Uh, let's see, I go down to verse 18, like I just read. He is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and all things he might have preeminence. I kind of got ahead of myself. Now go down to verse, uh, let's see. I had 24, but that doesn't sound right. 24 says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So that's about as blank. That's chapter 1, verse 24. I'll read it again. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Colossians 1, 
24 defines that the church is the body. Okay, so Christ is the head of the church and he is the head of the body. He is the head of the church. Uh, letter G says Christ is the beginning. Now again, we're saying a lot of things that kind of go together. He is the beginning. Now I've been reading through the book of Isaiah in my daily reading. And in Isaiah 48... In fact, let's go back and look at it. Hold your hand where you're at. Go back to Isaiah 48. Isaiah chapter 48. And let's read verse, start in verse 16. Isaiah 48, 16. Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and His Spirit hath sent me. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Over and over in the book of Isaiah, you'll see Redeemer in there. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. And somehow I don't believe that's exactly where I wanted to go to. Um, okay, sorry I gave you the wrong one. I don't have the right one. But anyway, I, I guess I just like that verse. But... uh I'll have to find the right one to give it to you. I can't believe it's not there. But over and over in the book of Isaiah, we see that the Lord is the Redeemer, but He's also been there from the beginning. That was the point I was trying to find. I did not see that in that verse. But we can find it in Revelation 3.14. So let's go there. Okay, read that again. Come near unto me here. This, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. Okay, I said it and went right over it and missed the time it. time that it was, there am I. Okay, and that was in the first verse I read. Yeah. And I skipped right over it. I'm sorry about that. So thank you for pointing that out and making me not look so bad. I'm like, <laughs> I just don't see it. Sometimes I see things and I don't see things. So, so Revelation 3.14. So I am not going crazy in that aspect. Revelation 3.14 says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Okay? Now, jump down to uh, Revelation... Well, wait just a minute. Back up to Revelation 2.8. Revelation 2 and verse 8 says, I don't know if I got... And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last. Again, talking about Jesus, which was dead and is alive. Okay? And then go down to verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say unto the churches. 
He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. And again, I think I was smoking when I wrote this. But Christ is in the beginning. And I don't smoke. But Christ is in the beginning. Now, okay, so we saw Revelation 3.14. We saw it in Isaiah. We saw it in, in Revelation 2.8. But we haven't looked at Revelation 22.13. So let's go there. And I guarantee, and I will say that they're there. We just, I'm just not pulling them out like I should. Revelation 22 and verse 13 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Again, who is Christ? Yes? Revelation 1 8 also says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Saith the Lord, which is and was and which is to come, the Almighty. Go down to verse 11. What does it say? Okay, so it's not chapter 2. It's it's chapter 1. I'm sorry. Okay. So, over and over in the Bible, we'll see that Christ is the beginning. And again, that's what we saw in Colossians. He is the beginning. We're We're trying to paint who Christ is in this. And then the last thing we're going to look at is Christ has something over all things. He has triumph over all. Power over all. That's good. I like those two. Authority over all. That's good because we can go right back to Matthew 28 right before the Great Commission. All power and authority has been given to Him. And let's look at... Let me go back and read verse 18. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things He might have the preeminence. So Christ has preeminence. Preeminence goes in your blank. That's what I'm looking for. Over all things. And we can see that in Matthew 28.18. That's right before the Great Commission. He tells everybody, all power and authority has been given to me. Ephesians 1 and 20 and Romans 11.36 would also back this up. So we have just a few. Let's go to the, to a Roman, to Romans 11, chapter 36. And we're going to be done here real quick. 11.36 of Romans. Ephesians 1.20 and 23 is good also. But Romans 11.36 says, For of him, Talking about Christ, and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Again, speaking of Christ. Christ has preeminence over all things. Well, He should have. He created all things. By Him, all things consist. By Him, all things exist. And by Him, all things will play out exactly like His Word says. Okay? Jesus Christ should have the preeminent place in our lives as well. Not just in the universe, and not just in His Word, but also in our lives. And when you look at this, people don't attack the universe. They don't attack the earth of whether it's here or not, what do they attack? His Word. And yet, it's His Word. Okay? Christ... Now, okay, let me ask one more question. I ask a lot of questions, don't I? 
Why did Christ give us the Bible? He wants us to know His Word. And His Word is Him. Okay, anything else? Anybody add? It's to give us instruction. Okay, so nail all that down to, if you had to write just a one word sentence, why did God give us His Word? Life, you even got it down to one word. That's good. Basically, God, Christ has given us His Word for the purpose of revealing Himself to us and how we can know Him. Now, that's just my take on it. So, since I'm the teacher, I'm going to grade myself a little higher. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> Christ's Word is given. God gave us the Bible so He could reveal Himself to us. And so we could know Him back. It's only through His Word. And so people want to attack the Word because they don't want to know Him. They don't want to give Him any authority. Uh, man can see this. They just don't want to admit there's a God and they don't want to be subject to Him. But really, God has given us His Word so we can know who He is. Okay? Christ is the head of all things. Philippians 2, 9 and 10 tell us, or 9 through 11 in Romans chapter 14 also tell us that every knee will bow to Christ. One of them, and we'll go back and look at that next week, we'll pull that out a little bit more, or we won't be here next week, the following week we'll look at these, because I'm going to wrap things up real quick. Philippians 2, 9 and nine through 11, the time period is today, when we look at that. In Romans chapter 14, 10 and 11 through 12, the time period is the judgment seat of Christ. And so, for the Christian, those two are important. We're going to, we need to bow to Him now, but we will be bowing to Him at the judgment seat of Christ. For the lost person, they will be bowing to Him at the great white throne judgment. And so, one way or another, Christian, unchristian, we will bow to Christ because it's His game. He created all things. It's His rules and that's the way it's going to be. The point that we need to realize is we need to be bowing every day because that's who we are. So let's go ahead and pray. We'll go from there. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Bible that you have given to us to reveal yourself that we may know who you are, that we may have life. We may have it more abundantly. That It's the instruction book that we need to live every day, how, how to uh, respond to other people, how to talk to other people, how to live our lives. And so it is important that we have it. And Lord, you have given that to us. So we thank you for that. Not only do we have it, Lord, I pray that we would read it, that we would open it and read it. But just like the book of Colossians, that we would not just know it, but that we would also walk in it. So I pray for that for our class. I pray that for our church. And I will just give you the honor and the glory. And in Christ's name, amen. amen. All right. Um, can somebody give me Bobby Blaine's address? Where she's at? Uh, yes. I don't know if that's the, in Shelby right now. Let me look at it. Because she did move to Harrisonville. She, she did here, but I didn't know she